We are about to record an hour episode. Y'all just sit down and get your butts ready because there's no way we're going to make this 30 minutes. Well, there's your intro. <laughs> This is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. Did you guys know that we are on a list? Oh, yeah. Which, I know which list I'm on. Uh, right. <laughs> we as a podcast are on a list. And also, did you know that there is an RC judge which that's more bad news for you, Lee. Uh, he judges all RC. <laughs> I don't know. I think RC participants, maybe. If so, you're you're in for it. Oh boy. But to to clarify what I'm talking about, there's a website called RC Judge, and it has a lot of top ten type lists. And one of those lists is RC podcasts, and we are on it, and. But that's not the point of bringing this up. Because RC podcasts seem to come and go, this is a good reference for seeing what's out there and what is no longer out there. So for people who are into RC podcasts and aren't sure what's available, they wanna, may want to go to rcjudge.com and see. Well, I'm going to do that right now. Does he have a mask? <laughs> <laughs> Does he have a gavel? <laughs> you have been judged. Yeah, that's interesting. I, and I hadn't heard of it before, but uh, uh, any publicity is good publicity, is I think, is how it goes. I agree. Oh, did you guys, speaking of uh, in the crazy world of podcasts, that Flight Test After Hours is gone. Huh. Just like that. Just yeah. like that, huh? Yeah, I don't know the story behind it or why. Maybe some people do. But I just noticed on the latest description it said it's the final one. Oh, wow. Now, now the after, I should look into that. Now, the After Hours was a different group than what you normally see in the videos, right? That's right. It was not those guys. And from what I understand, the the normal or the baseline podcast is still ongoing. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe they decided to use their resources elsewhere instead of having two podcasts. Maybe a little, a little bit redundant. Or maybe the RC judge handed down his sentence. Yeah. <laughs> You have been judged. <laughs> Lee, you got to find a quote from Judge Dredd saying you've been judged or something. Okay, Slice I'll, in there. I'll do that. <laughs> right away, Fitz. Thank you. <laughs> I am the law. How many podcasts are out there still for RC stuff? I mean, just not asking you to name them, but how many do you think are out there dedicated to RC? Whether it's, well, shoot, I know there are a lot more drone ones. Well, yeah, it depends on where you draw the line, because there's a lot that are focused only on that, and I know of a few that are commercial-only drone podcasts. So Yeah, it's non-drone ones, because drones are everywhere. Well, here's More. what I can do real quick for our listening viewers. I have a, uh, a link listening here. Listening viewers? Did you just say listening I viewers? sure did, because I, <laughs> I, I tried to multitask and screwed up royally. <laughs> yeah, well, we have a face for radio, so. For our right. listeners. Uh, no, we're still ranked 92 in aviation. Woohoo! Always around 90-ish. We need to get that down to 50-ish. Yeah, come on, guys. Way Help us out 90. here. 
Oh wait, hold on. You're you're not happy with close to a hundred, but fifty is your target. That that's where you'll be satisfied. That's where you'll sleep soundly at night. I'd like to break the fifty because aviation includes full scale as well. Yeah, okay. There isn't one just for models. So you want to break fifty. Let's break fifty. So we're lumped yeah. in with regular aviation. Is there is there a ranking just for models or hobbies or something? No, because aviation's underneath games and hobbies, so it's uh, all combined. Seems like the, the seems very broad. Yeah, the deck the st- the the deck is stacked against us a bit on that one, I think. Yeah, well. But we're still going to continue this venture until it's just yeah. Lee and Keith. That's right. Listen <laughs> <laughs> for sissies. Lee and Keith. Yeah. <laughs> Something we should know. <laughs> you might want to check your brake lines before you go to work yeah. in the morning fits. <laughs> I have a feeling Lee's up to no good. Yeah, I love that you uh, you were looking for the leeandkeith.com domain. Or <laughs> 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 oh, would you do Sparky and Lee? Was that what you were looking for? Something. Yeah, Sparky <laughs> and Lee. That was more lyrical. Oh, gosh. See, with all these inside jokes, we're going to be back into the hundreds again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to know what the hell we're talking about. People, Exactly. Let's get back on track, shall we? Didn't we have something we wanted to talk about? Mm. Uh-huh. Well, is there any wrap-up from SAE? You know, when was that, last weekend? Not much. We had an unfortunate, uh, unfortunate incident yeah, of um, one of the planes getting stolen. Oh, oh yeah. That's right. Not just any plane, either. They ended up were they second place? Um, they did place. I can't remember what it was, but they did place. Cal, yeah, I think they were second. I'll have to check my Cal State here. Northridge, but, was it? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, we had uh, talked so. to them. Uh, either I interviewed them or something, because they, they were, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but we, I remember talking to them bef- you know, before this incident happened, when they, before they flew. Well, tell us what you know. Get the story out. Not a whole lot other than uh, they had stayed, I guess, an extra night. A lot of teams left on Sunday, and they decided to leave on Monday morning. And about six Well, they drove. <clears throat> they drove from California, so that's a heck of a drive, to Texas. So they uh, apparently somebody came up around 6 o'clock in the morning to their hotel and stole their pickup truck, a rather large one, and their trailer, and just drove off with it, apparently in another with another car. And so they lost a truck, which apparently was borrowed from a relative, and a trailer, I think it was borrowed from another relative, and all their equipment and aircraft inside the trailer. Uh, and so they lost everything, and they were basically stranded in Texas, because that was their ride back. Uh, it, it, it was such, it made the newscast, the local news there. And uh, I, I made a point to send a message to the the event coordinator, and uh, he also said he had just found out about it. But I don't have any further details. I hadn't said anything. So hopefully wow. they found a way back and maybe even kind of sort of found their missing trailer in, in parts because the, the, the plane is a one-of-a-kind. It's something that they scratch-built. They won an award with it, and they had planned on bringing it back to the school and hanging it up and showing it off, yeah, and uh, and so it's it, it's it's just really devastating for them. Let's just end the 
conversation there. <laughs> well, they're on surveillance, and uh, a friend of mine works for the police department there, so hopefully if they find something out, I'll let you guys know. So was the the camera good? It wasn't uh, the usual snow and fuzz? The video I saw was passable. Uh, it looked like it was in color. You can pr- clearly see the truck driving off. You really couldn't see anybody inside, but that was only just a quick snippet that was shown in the news. Who knows how much video they actually have. Uh, I presume the police have collected all the video and and was off and running on that. But Right. Um, well, <clears throat> that stinks for them. I hate to hear that. Yeah. Because other than that, it was a spectacular weekend. Yeah, it was. The weather was supposed that to be really the bad. That we froze our behinds off on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Radical change in weather from Saturday to Sunday. Saturday, you know, it was uh, all shorts and 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 uh, uh, and very nice looking co-eds, and on Sunday everybody's wrapped up in blankets. <laughs> did I say too much? I think you did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, considering it was supposed to be all rain both days, uh, we were really lucky that it was, it was even flyable. But it turned out to be actually pretty nice, other than the cold weather. Yep, two more rounds of flying in. Oh yeah, yeah, they put a lot of rounds. They, uh, like we mentioned before, it runs like clockwork. They're they're slave drivers. Go, go, Indeed. go. No, no dilly dallying around. Uh, I see that uh, the the Rise Company has a what they call a house racer challenge. Uh, they're imploring people to use their uh, Rise FPV drones. I guess the the Fusion is called. Yeah, the, yeah. Can you recall our episode about tilted couches and yes. these rant? Yes. Well, now yeah. they're asking you to to do stuff like that: tilt your couch and mess up your house and try to fly a a course through it and shoot the video. And if your video is good enough, you can win, I guess, $5,000, is what you're saying? $5,000. $5,000. Really? I heard about the contest, but I guess I didn't look at the prices. Yeah, it says win $5,000. If you can make, create the most outrageous FPV video with your... I am making I am making my drone tilt my couch. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but is it going to fly in the fridge? <laughs> I'll have it go in the fridge, out of the fridge, <laughs> knock over some pictures. I'm going to make it look just like the photos. Well, there you go. <laughs> See, you got something to live up to. I'm going to win that $5,000. You're going to win the heck out of that thing. So the kickoff <laughs> was March 8th. You have to enter now. The last chance is April 4th. Judging is April 10th. And the winner will be announced April 14th. Yep. So get your videos in by April 4th. Uh, I think we'll post a link on our site so you can read the details yourself. And uh, if you enter it, good luck. I want you to use your tactic watch while you fly. (laughs) 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 I tell you, I saw one of those in in, in real life. You did. (laughs) It was okay. Okay. (laughs) It was okay. It was interesting. It was pretty neat, actually. Uh, the guy, it's a novelty. Yeah, it's a novelty. The guy had it seemed to like it actually quite a bit. He said one of the things it's he like thought was... like a bow tie. Yeah, <laughs> well, he showed his own. It was, it was his um, theory that it was good for testing out FPVs quick and easy. You just, you had it on your wrist or whatever, and you just flip it on, and hey, it works. And showing off. Um, that was his thing, but, you know, 
I, I thought the, the video quality was better than the, the stats would indicate. Uh, yeah, I was surprised as well. So, take it or leave it, but... I was waiting for the searing comeback from Lee, but... Just, you don't hear my eyes rolling all the way around my room? <laughs> that creaky noise you hear is his eyes rolling back into the back of his head. Hey, did you hear 3D Labs has a new design out? <laughs> Quick, jump to another topic. <laughs> no, I, I caught this the other day just flipping through YouTube and looking at some of my uh, subscriptions, and I, uh, I saw this... Uh, the Cessna 152 they have, and man, it looks really neat. I will say, watching the videos that um, I found, I, I think they way overpowered them. They're not flying scale like at all. Um, but it was just neat to see the structure uh, when they're building. I mean, and they put out these really nice videos, so I'm sure we'll have a link. Yeah. Uh, to well, I guess to one of them because they do them in several parts. What do you think, Fitz? Do you think you'd want to do one of those? Did you see it? Uh, I saw it. And the nice thing is it's actually pretty big. I think it's the largest ones they've made so far. 60-something inches, I think, if I remember correctly. That is big. It, it's a it's wow. a big one. Um, and it's neat. I think it has working flaps. Uh, looks great. The only problem is I think the Cessna 152 was probably the ugliest of all the Cessnas ever made. <laughs> Uh, it's charming. It's charming, but I, I'm not interested in making it because it just doesn't do it for me. Did you see their Stearman? Yeah, the Stearman looks pretty neat. And it has a, a 3D printed radial engine on it and some really nice wheels. I'd be more interested in making the Stearman than the 152, just for aesthetic reasons. So have you made any progress on your other 3D printed planes? Uh, I started, well... I started printing the P-38. I think I mentioned that before. And that's got a that's old lot of pieces. Um, I've It's on hold since I'm in the middle of moving, so I haven't been able to really do anything. I had a couple issues with the printer that I had to get settled. Uh, and so it's back running again, but uh, I just haven't had a chance to do anything. Uh, and it, so are you recording <clears throat> from the old studio or the new studio? I'm at the old studio because the new studio doesn't have internet access yet. Oh. So I'm basically okay. literally almost sitting on the floor doing this. <laughs> the computer desk is gone. The computer just sitting on the floor. The monitor sitting on a makeshift uh, kind of an old little bookcase kind of thing. Uh, it's like college all over again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In college, this would have been a sweet setup. But. Right. So... I started playing around with nylon. A guy at, um, I belong to a, a hackerspace or makerspace group. And a guy, oh, this is, you might find this interesting. I walk in and he goes, here, take a look at this. And he shows me a 3D printed RC car. And okay. so he had 3D printed an RC car. You, you can see one Thingiverse. There's several different ones. I've thought about doing it myself. And this one, almost everything is 3D printed. Uh, I think he, the only thing he didn't 3D print was, of course, the motor and electronics. And I think he, he found some wheels from another RC car that he didn't print. But the whole chassis and the gearbox. And he says, he put it together, ran across the room, and the gears seized up. They, they heated up and all they all seized up and locked up. 
And so he, did it have independent suspension and shocks? Yeah, it did. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, maybe some of the shocks may not have been three D printed, but uh, uh, but yeah, it had all independent suspension. It looked really nice, actually. It looked like a like a off road buggy kind of chassis. Um, and what do you? So the problem was, but not necessarily the best use of three D print. Well, I mean, it was a neat project. What what happened was he used the wrong material for the gears. He used the PLA when he should have used uh, nylon. And so he had picked up some nylon, but he said his printer wasn't really very good at printing nylon. So he gave me the roll of nylon and said, here, you take it and you try printing some gears on it with your printer um, and feel free to print some gears for yourself using this roll of nylon. And so now I have a roll of nylon that I've never tried printing before. And so it's been, I played around with it a little bit just before I moved. And uh, I was interesting playing, it uses quite a bit of different settings from PLA to print, but it's pretty neat stuff to, to work with, although it has its own little nuances to do. Cool. Yeah. So I'll let you guys know later once I get some more gears printed up and stuff. See how that works. So we recently received an email from a listener, and it's a listener that we know because we met him at best. This was Nathan. You guys remember Nathan, right? Well, I met him at the swap meet, the Northwest RC swap Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, that was recent. Anyway, he suggested that we talk about modifications that we have done. And I don't think he knew what he was asking because, <laughs> man, we could talk about that forever. Oh, yeah. And here we go. <laughs> but, but we won't. Hope your, hope your smartphone has a lot of storage because <laughs> this podcast is two gigs. <laughs> well, being honest, I... I used to do a lot of that stuff. To me, that was the most fun thing about RC. But uh, for whatever reason, I haven't done much modification recently. I've been flying mostly out-of-the-box stuff. But two or three years ago, man, oh, man. Now, I wonder what he means by mods. Are we talking about glow-to-electric conversions or something more uh, uh, invasive? Uh, I think it was just open-ended. Well, see, I, I was trying to think the same thing. Was he talking about mods that you do that you get a kit and you change immediately or are the kind of things that you do, Terry, which is take a plane and cut it in half and, you know, put the rudder on the wing. <laughs> right. So um, maybe we should do, maybe we should do a little bit of, of all of them. you like, I'll, I'm going to start with Fitz. Fitz, you, you get an ARF kit and you're, you're working on it. Is there anything that you change, you know, just by habit that you do differently? Uh, I wouldn't say by habits. I, I've repainted a few planes. I didn't like the paint schemes, some, especially some of the foamies, like the the, the Mirage I turned into a kefir and, and whatnot. Uh, How far do you go with that? I mean, do you pull all the decals off and completely, you know, restrip it and all that? No, you know, I don't. I the, the Mirage repaint actually did really good just by painting over it. I didn't strip anything off. I know guys will do that, spend hours. Uh, Chris has a great video of him stripping down a Mirage to the bare foam and repainting it. And it looks fantastic. But my look... Chris Wolf. Chris Wolf, yeah, he was our guest. Yeah, some, some SC, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, some episodes ago he was our guest. And uh, he has a video that came up recently that he, he shows how he did his. his. And it was great, uh, but I, for me, just painting over all the decals and everything was actually very workable. <laughs> it, it came out a lot better than I thought it would uh, using latex house paint that I got from Home Depot for the most part and some Tamiya spray paints. Uh, so for... For the modern foamies, I don't do a whole lot to them. I used to, like Terry, I used to do more for kits that I've built and things like that where, uh, 
I've I've taken uh, Gillow's rubber-powered aircraft and made it an 049 rail-controlled aircraft. Or uh, I had a... Years ago, I took a RCM plans for a Shrike Air Commander. It was supposed to be twin 049s. And I decided to add flaps to it and made it twin OS 10s. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And it flew pretty good until the wing folded in half. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a mod, too? That yeah, was a mod. Uh, of course, I have my creme de la creme of conversions, and that's my a, my Pulsa Balsa A7. That's probably the most <laughs> radical conversion I've ever done. Does, it doesn't pale to what Terry's done, but this is where I took the old Pulsa Balsa A7. This was a, a prop jet that you had, a, I think, a 20-size engine on a nose, and had fixed landing gear, and, and uh, it was, uh, I guess, a fairly popular kit sometime in the 90s, was it, roughly? I think, yeah, all the House of Balsa stuff peaked around that time. Yeah, and this is a wood, old-fashioned wood kit. You had to put it together, build it, and cover it. And I'm more of a fan of the F-8 Crusader, and so I started looking at this A7. I was like, you know, I bet I could make a pretty decent standoff-scale A7 using... I'm sorry, standoff F8 using the A7 bits. The wing is fairly close. Tail is, is not perfect, but close enough for, uh, for standoff scale. The main thing is the fuselage was too short on the A7. So as the fuselage uh, was being built, I lengthened the fuselage. And then I said, you know, it can't be an F8 without the wing lift. If you're familiar with F8, the wing cranks up several degrees to change incidents so it can take off a carrier's because the fuselage was so long the thing would scrape its tail on the on the fuse on the carrier if it tried to rotate too much so they lifted the wing instead of the rotating oh is that the reason yeah i thought it was a visibility thing no 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 it was it had such a low it, it sat so low to the ground and had such a long tail that it they didn't want to scrape the tail so the uh, fuselage could remain more or less horizontal yeah. while the wing had a higher uh, yeah okay. i gotcha um and so I designed a working wing lift using a servo and a piano hinge that I cut down. Uh, and then I kept going and said, you know, I also, this thing has fixed landing gear. That's terrible. I want to put retracts in it. So I hacked in some retracts into it. And then I said, you know, also, it, it'd have better weight and balance if I stuck the motor in the rear instead of the front. And oh, yeah, I make it electric instead of gas. So I converted it to electric, gave it a working wing lift, added retracts. And string and lengthen the fuselage. Oh, and added flaps. The original didn't have flaps either, so I added flaps to the thing. And all in all, it turned out to be actually a really nice flying plane. It it all worked out. <laughs> it it flies pretty good, uh, except the wing lift can get you in trouble if you lift it too much. It had a really nasty stall once when I was experimenting with the angle, and I think I went past maybe ten degrees or something like that, and it it almost bit me in the butt. I had to quickly recover from that uh, but it'll slow down to a crawl with the flaps and wing lift and it's weird how I can it'll fly level with the nose pointing down <laughs> which if you when you lift the wing if you're flying too if you fly too fast it'll do that <laughs> so it's funny you talked about all those changes you made and I would guess at least a couple of those were things you had never done before certainly the variable incidents yeah and so 
you did a handful of untried modifications where scientific method would tell you that you should only change one thing at a time. But when you're building something from the ground up, you don't have that option. Yeah. So it's kind of, uh, to me, it's exciting to work through all that stuff with so many variables. And sometimes it bites you in the fanny. But when it works, the, it's really fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's a picture of it on, I guess, my YouTube channel. You see a F8. Uh, it's got a whimsical paint scheme that came from a Japanese anime cartoon. Uh, it doesn't have the traditional um, uh, U.S. Navy markings on it, but I was a big fan of that cartoon, and, and one of the main characters flew that plane in it, so I gave it his paint scheme. Uh but and this is one case where it didn't bite me in the butt and actually worked out pretty good. So is the Crusader still with us? It's still with me, yep. Don't fly it all that much because I like it, but it's still here. I, it's been moved to the new place, but I'll take it out every once in a while. Okay. Well, speaking of scientific method, did you exercise all those features on the maiden flight, or did you kind of work your way up to it? Uh, no, I exercised everything on the maiden flight. I went, I went for broke. Okay. Uh, I don't think Old I took man. off with the wing incidents. I think I took off normally, and then when I was up there, I played around with it just a little bit. Although the first flight, I remember it was a very windy day, and I had a, the prop I used had a little too much bite, and so it had a lot of torque roll to it. Mm-hmm. But it was enough for me just to play with just a little bit, land it, and play with a little more in subsequent flights. Uh, I just dug up Nathan's email, and he's talking about mods that make an old airplane fun again. And I think that's kind of the track we're on right now. Mods that make an old plane fun again? Well, like a trainer uh, adding flaps, retract, bomb drop. So those are his examples. But my planes are already fun. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with my planes. They're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go back. That just reminded me of something. Uh, this is all. This is a Fitz return letter. <laughs> Fitz, why don't you take this letter? All right, just had to tell me just one thing. <laughs> well, Nathan, let me tell you about my... <laughs> somebody. Somebody gave me. I think it was an old uh, a trainer plane, uh, Eaglet. I think Goldberg Eagle or Eaglet, one of those two. And it was all beat up. And in the fit of inspiration, I took off the front motor. Flared it into a nose and made it a twin. So I had a twin eaglet. Yeah, and that's it. That's all you got. That's all I got. Uh, it was an old plane. Made it, how did it fly. It actually flew okay. It was it, you know it looked terrible, but it flew okay. Twin motors of a smaller size or twin of the same. Twin, uh, smaller twin OS tens on a wing. I made some cheap pods. Stuck it on a wing. I, I took an old trainer, a forty size trainer. I think it was called the Simplify Forty. And I whacked the fuselage off behind the wing and made it a tailless plane. Not necessarily a flying wing because it still had the the fuselage forward of the trailing edge. But, yeah, that was it. And it flew very well. I I was surprised. I have photos. Based on the success of that, I did the same thing to a Park Zone T-28, which also flew very well. Yeah, Yeah, the T-28 was one goofy-looking thing. Yeah, and I think I I was going after an air pirate kind of theme and uh, had put big fake cannons on it. It was fun. You, you got to post... Where is that plane? You got to post pictures of it. Did I give it to one of you guys? Yeah, I have it. Have you flown it? No. Oh, Sorry. 
Burn it. <laughs> burn it? No, not burn. Earn. Oh, earn it. Oh, oh. Yeah. I don't claim, and I doubt Fitz does either, that we have any special skills. We're just willing to try stuff with the strong possibility that we'll fail. <laughs> yeah. And I've I've made many smoking holes in the ground with that crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's fun either way. Yeah, yeah. Just beat on until it submits. We might have talked before about the testing process to get the parallax. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still not sure why I didn't give up after a while, but one day it flew. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I wasn't sure whether I should be excited that it f- flew or sad that I didn't quite understand why. <laughs> I was just happy we were able to get it to fly and not keep swapping ends every time we hand launched the damn thing. Yeah, I could have been in the micro class at the SAE event. <laughs> there you go. Enter that in next time. All right, what were you saying, Lee? Nothing. Oh, come on. Nothing at all. Don't make me beg. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> this, this is, uh... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> what's, what's in this drink? <laughs> well, on that note, I think we're night. done for the day. Well, <laughs> wait, hold on. Don't sign off yet. I want Lee to tell us about his uh, early glider releases. Because... Lee's the one that inspired me to start arrow towing. And did you come up with the the release that you showed me? Oh, you mean the one Do you know what I'm talking for the about? easy glider? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. The passive system. Oh, the Velcro. No, no, that was yeah. in a that was in a model aviation article. Oh, was but it? I called okay. you quickly after seeing that and said, We're doing this. <clears throat> and it works pretty well if you <laughs> yeah. you've got the right planes and you you know and i yeah. think it were i mean for all the flights we had it maybe one time it didn't come off right maybe you know we kind of had a couple of loops <laughs> out of the planes <laughs> right which is definitely a better success ratio than we had with active systems that would either release too early or not at all yeah. and i will say the the little mechanism i made for the easy glider during best which was very questionable at first worked every time the little ball that went down the the uh, brass tube and i had a little collar on the servo oh, so right. it locked the ball that. in there yeah and that that worked every time i don't think it's that strong so certainly if we were kind of pushing it with that truck and just yanking it up there but uh yeah, yeah i mean those are mods but they're just like again just winging it just giving things a try well that's the spirit of this whole thing right okay and that's the beauty of rc that you can do this crazy stuff on a budget that's you know in a scale that's workable for people like us people like us yeah. that should be art <laughs> wait a minute I, I think the phrase is you people use people yeah. wait a minute what what are you outraged about oh I just was outraged because I thought I was supposed to be outraged. No, oh, you're, yeah. you're part of that. It's your turn. Oh, okay. Never mind then. You're included. So whatever your mod may be to your aircraft, we'd love to hear your story. So drop us a line on Facebook. Let us know what uh, you like to do to your aircraft or if you've come up with a new design or something fun for us to look at. We'll share it with her other viewers on uh, RC Roundtable Facebook page.
Joining us is Jay Smith. He's the editor-in-chief of Model Aviation, which is the official magazine of the Academy of Model Aeronautics. Hey, Jay, thanks for joining us. Hi, Fitz. How are you? We're, we're, we're doing really good. I uh, really appreciate you coming and joining us. Uh, let's start with a few fundamental questions about your job. Uh, can you tell us what are the primary duties as editor-in-chief of Model Aviation? Well, I'm actually editor-in-chief not only of Model Aviation, but also Park Pilot Magazine. So basically for both magazines, I plan the content uh, and make sure that, uh, you know, we have the reviews and if it's event articles or how-tos, I line all that up. I work with the authors, uh, try to determine what's going to be on the cover, uh, basically responsible for all the content on uh, both publications from cover to cover. So, so if somebody particularly likes or dislikes something in the magazine, you're the person they should talk to. Yes. That kind of leads me to the next question. What is the most difficult part of your job, you think? The thing that's the best about Model Aviation Magazine specifically is that it covers all aspects of aero modeling, no matter if you're into control line or free flight or you know, all the different types of RC or helicopters or multi-rotors. So I think that's what makes our magazine great, but it also makes it challenging to try to balance that coverage um, because obviously that's a lot of material. So what would you think is the most fun part? Well, I think the most fun part is being able to go to events and trade shows and uh, meet our members, you know, and talk to them and also, uh, you know, form a, a bond with uh, the manufacturers and distributors and work with them. And I, I just really enjoy getting to go to flying events and, and trade shows. And so uh, the last show I was at was AMA Expo East, which took place uh, in New Jersey, uh, February 24th to the 26th. Uh, but I also attend AMA Expo West and I also attend Toledo uh, as far as trade shows. And then obviously a lot of different flying events. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong. When you took over as editor of Model Aviation, it was a very different magazine. Can you talk about what it took to, to change it and really update it to what we see today? Sure. So we did do a complete redesign a few years ago, and uh, obviously we wanted to make the magazine more visually stimulating. Um, and we've made some other changes to the magazine as well. Uh, I added a what's called the About Us that talks about uh, companies within our industry, um, and we give a prize away. So you learn a little bit about a company, and then you can win something for that from that company. And then uh, I am the AMA on the back page. Uh, it basically every month we we tell uh, a little bit about a AMA member, and it could be anyone. I mean, you know, in some cases it's been you know a famous person. Uh, other cases, you know, it's been if you want if you want to call it your average model or your average AMA member. I mean, basically we're trying to to tell the stories of everyone that is an AMA member. Oh, that's great. So, uh, but I think that the biggest changes really were visually, you know, uh, the way we did the layouts and uh, the use of uh, larger photos and, uh, you know, just trying to make it uh, uh, more modern, I guess. Is that um, where you see the future of the magazine going? Yeah, well, not only that, but, you know, we have a digital edition of the magazine, uh, so people can view it uh, on their mobile devices, and we have a lot of the, the articles are also go on our website. Uh, so, you know, every member has a choice uh, if they're uh, an open, you know, full open member. They have a choice if they want to get their magazine uh, print copy or if they want a digital copy. Uh, and then, obviously, if they want both, it's nine ninety five, and you can have 
both. So uh, obviously, uh, as Terry well knows, uh, with the digital, whether it be the digital edition of the magazine or our website, we're able to provide videos uh, from some events. And, and now most of our reviews have videos, which I think is a very nice component to go along with the article. Now, I've pretty much switched to only the digital part of the magazine. Uh, how, as far as your the subscribers, can you give us an idea of how many people have digital versus the old paper version? Sure. So we have um, nearly 200,000 members. Uh, we probably have in the neighborhood of about 150,000 members that get the magazine because you have to understand we have a lot of youth members and they get a free membership, but that does not come with the magazine. So out of the 150,000 or so members who get uh, Model Aviation, about 30,000 choose to get it digitally. Interesting. Now, my understanding from different editors has always been that you don't get a whole lot of feedback from the readers. So you're kind of, I wouldn't say going blind is the, the right phrase, but you kind of have to guess and see what the response is rather than taking advice up front. Is that kind of accurate in your situation? Well, uh, we do obviously appreciate any feedback and they're on uh, modelingvision.com there's a link where uh, you can email me uh, i mention it sometimes in my editorial you know feel free to to reach out and and let us know uh, what you like or what you don't like or what you'd like to see but yes it's true that we don't tend to get a lot of feedback that way uh, i find that i get more feedback usually uh, like i mentioned before attending a trade show and talking to people at the trade show or attending a flying event uh, but we're at we're certainly looking to get feedback, and, and part of that is we just recently have a uh, our own place in the vendor forum on uh, RC groups. So we have uh, AMA Media and Publications um, has its own uh, forum as part of the vendors forum, and so we're talking about upcoming issues and what's going to be in those issues, and some of the reviewers have put uh, pictures of upcoming reviews, kind of like a sneak peek. And, and we've asked, uh, you know, as another way to hopefully get our readership to reach out to us, we, we're, we're trying that. And that started within the past month. Well, I'm a fan of both the magazine and the digital subscription. I do both. And as Terry knows, I find it difficult to let go of my old magazines because I've got like two crates full of my old AMA magazines because I just love going back to them. I, I like seeing the the transition, you know, of technology go from, you know, old kits to new, but sometimes it, it's fun to see stuff come back. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'd be curious to ask each one of you, I mean, obviously you've asked me some questions. So what do you think about uh, model aviation, either the print edition or the digital edition as it is today? I mean, comparing the two editions or the magazine overall? Oh, overall, whether you, whether you read the digital or you read the print, how do you feel about the magazine today? Well, I tend to prefer the print version, and for me, it's a good thing because it includes more than I would normally be interested in, so I accidentally run across things that I wouldn't ordinarily find. Like Sometimes there's some really great free flight articles and some neat control line stuff that if I was reading an RC-specific magazine, I, I would never run across, so I appreciate that aspect of it. Excellent. I'm like Terry. I prefer the magazine. <laughs> Just, I thought this was funny, but I had uh, I got called upon for jury duty, and the, the two magazines I brought were my last two issues of uh, Model Aviation, and it's it's fun to just go through and actually you know catch up on on stuff that I haven't really thought about 
reading on and uh, usually events, you know, watching some of the scale events, seeing some of the really cool aircraft. I think my kids, you know, get a kick looking over my shoulder at some planes that, you know, you just say to yourself, how did someone build that? You know, it's just incredible. And uh, I, I just, again, I like going back to them. And there's some vendors you have, or I say uh, clients, I guess, who have ads in your magazine that have been in there for years. And it's, it's sometimes I say, you know what, I remember seeing this guy has a certain part. I, I think I was, you know, in this magazine and sure enough, it'll, it'll be there. So there, are, you have a couple of people that stick with you for a very long time. There's a reason because there's always that one part you need and, and they're out there to help us. Yes, that's a good point. And uh, we also have the library on modelaviation.com where you can search for articles as well. So that's sometimes helpful if you don't know when the article appeared. And you can then look at the article online or, you know, if you want to go refer back to print, you can at least search for it on the library. Well, I uh, wholeheartedly appreciate the, the effort you've taken to make uh, the magazine better. I, I definitely appreciate it. And I like the holistic approach, so to speak, that you have in the magazine because my interests also vary. I don't know if I'm like other modelers, but, you know, I do RC models primarily, but I've dabbled in free flight and mm -hmm. uh, even control line and that kind of stuff. So I've always find it of interest. Uh, I'm kind of a weird uh, disposition in that technically I prefer the print version, but I find the digital version more useful, if that makes any sense, or more convenient uh i'm at the point where it's it's tough to keep a lot of magazines and with the digital version it's on my cell phone and so i can pick it up and look at it anytime i want if i'm in a really boring meeting or out uh, out and about doing something or on a trip or something it's easy to call it up versus trying to carry a magazine around with me all over the place and the fact that you does can... your bomb what's that boss listen to this podcast <laughs> does your boss listen to the podcast <laughs> uh <laughs> You might get an anonymous email. <laughs> yeah, you read magazines while you should be uh, working. <laughs> if you know my well, job. I'd like, to, I'd like to point out my favorite model aviation issue right now is May 2014. Why, what's in that one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plug. <laughs> <laughs> what was in that one? Well, I mean, I should say this because uh, I'm a photographer, Jay, and I, I love, you know, photographing uh, all types of aviation events and this just happens to be the uh, shot i've did of of terry's parallax that's on the cover of model aviation that's right so you made the cover photographers that are out there that you know have some good shots i know that you'll accept them <laughs> because you accepted mine <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but that that's a really great uh, the parallax was a really great construction article that uh, terry did and it's uh it's been very popular for us and I uh, appreciate you getting that great picture so that we can promote it on the cover because we like to promote uh, the construction features. Yes. I had, I had Terry sign my copy. <laughs> At least claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should disclose that all three of us have had either pictures or articles published in Model Aviation, and it's, uh, it's uh, we're very much uh, prideful of that. Yeah, well, thank you for your support of the magazine. Uh, you know, we always... Uh, try to also share that you know when sometimes if someone reaches out to us and says you know they'd appreciate more coverage in you know whatever the that the segment of the hobby that interests them and you know uh, sometimes i'll suggest them well have you ever thought about writing an article uh, and and sometimes uh they do and, and it works out great so you know we're always willing to uh take a look at an article on any segment of the hobby from anyone oh, awesome now, now, you mentioned one of the parts of the job you like is the travel, and I understand you just got back from Model uh, Expo East, is it? 
Yeah, the AMA Expo East uh, that was in New Jersey at the Meadowlands Exposition Center, uh, February 24th to the 26th, which, uh, as we're recording this, was only about a week and a half ago. Can you tell us a bit about your experiences there? Sure. So it was a really good show. Uh, we had 70 vendors there, and uh, about nearly 4,000 um, people came, uh, members of the public came to enjoy the show. And there was a lot of really neat aircraft there. Uh, one that really uh, stood out to me was uh, Ed Andrews built a 52% GBR2. And basically it was modeled after Delmar Benjamin's GB, which he used to fly in air shows. Uh, currently that aircraft is now at Fantasy of Flight down in Florida. It's owned by uh, Current Weeks. And so uh, Ed modeled that aircraft he built it in a two-car garage and spent 2400 hours Whoa. building the model and he spent just five weeks just on the propeller he spent five weeks uh but a total of 2400 hours and finished it the week before the show before ama expo east so that he could bring it wow that's fantastic what kind of engine did that thing have in it it had a radial engine in it and it ended up getting um best of show um, another neat thing about the Expo, whether it be Expo West or Expo East, is that we bring guest speakers. And so this year to Expo East, we brought uh, Robert Hoot Gibson, who is a five-time space shuttle astronaut. Uh, for, for the five times, he was the space shuttle commander. He's also the gentleman who docked with Mir and shook hands with the Russian cosmonaut in wow. space. First time that had ever happened. He also won uh, the Reno Air Races last year, so he's the current world champion. Uh, so he wow. was there, and he is really a, a fascinating person to talk to. Uh, we had uh, David and Sarah O'Neill from the Drone Show, we had the Huff family. Uh, Tom Huff is a retired fighter pilot, and his brother flies a DC-3. So they've been into model flying and full-scale flying their whole life. And then our uh, giant-scale columnist, Sal Calvagna, was there uh, showing off uh, the Sikorsky aircraft that he built. And as uh, a really special treat on Saturday, Sikorsky's son, Nikolai, was there. So he came, and, and he and Sal together gave a presentation, and he talked about what it was like growing up uh, and having famous people. I mean, he talked about, you know, like... I think he said Lindbergh and um, uh, just all these different famous people that would come to the house for dinner. And um, he also talked about, uh, you know, his father and, and, and development of not only aircraft, but uh, helicopters. But interestingly enough, I asked him if he, you know, had a career in aviation. He said no, that his mo mother asked the kids to do something outside of aviation because she felt it was dangerous. So he uh, ended up becoming a concert violinist. Wow, that's about as uh, polar opposite of uh, aviation as you can get. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it was really neat to uh, have have him there and uh, talk to everybody and you know answer questions and and that's basically with all the speakers. You know, they they basically share a presentation and then it, they open it up to questions and uh, like uh, Hoot Gibson signed autographs, uh, so we had um, a, a photo of him. Uh, on his last mission and he signed autographs. And so it's really neat to be able to bring these people uh, to the shows as well as, as speakers. Now, will those speeches be available online? 
Yes. So every um, presentation was recorded, and those will be available online on our website. We also, when I say we, I mean the Media and Publications Department, we also shot videos at the show, not of the speakers specifically, but we did sh uh, shoot a video with uh, Nikolai and Sal uh, talking, and we, we shot several videos with different manufacturers showing off their products, and all those will be on uh, modelaviation.com. Uh, a few podcasts ago, we had Chris Wolf on, and he gave a speech at the MA Expo West, and he had very good things about the, to say about the experience. Yeah, excellent. You know, we're always looking to change up the speakers every year. So we've had Bert Rattan in the past and a lot of really interesting speakers. Yeah. And Fitz, I believe that Hugh Gibson is a former member of the Johnson Space Center Club. RC Club. Is he? You know, I was going to ask if you had met him or had any interaction with him. I never did in my work there or in the club, but I'm certainly familiar with him. You know, another interesting thing about uh, Hoot Gibson is he plays guitar. And so when I did the uh, Modders and Musicians article last year, he was one of the people that I interviewed. And he actually played in what they called the astronaut band. And the entire band was made up of astronauts. <laughs> yeah, Max Q. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen them live, Fitz? No, I have not. They're pretty good. I think they have kind of a rotating lineup. Just depends on who's in town for any yeah. certain gig. But... They're pretty darn good. Uh, if I ever catch word of them, I'll have to check it out. I think they play the Balloon Festival every year, at uh, a minimum. You know, another interesting thing that happened at AMA Expo East that I had never experienced at Expo West is the R2 Builders Club actually had a booth, and they had two R2 units and one R5 unit there, and they were um, running around the show and and. People were getting pictures with them, and of course, the especially the kids in attendance were really excited about getting pictures with R2-D2. Oh, yeah, those guys are great. They have some really great uh, resources to build those R2 units, and every time I, I've met a few of them, too, and it, I, they're great to talk to, and I've always, I love it when they take the heads off so I can peek inside and see how those things run. Yeah, because they're RC. Yeah, and, they are. Uh, I got to look inside as well, and one gentleman who had his R2 unit there, he does appearances for charity, and uh, he actually was on the Today Show, and he got to meet Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, and they both signed his R2 unit. So on the back of his R2 unit, he had their signatures. Oh, lucky guy. I'm looking yeah. at some photos of the event, and this one guy's putting an R2 head on this little girl. <laughs> so she's wearing it like a hat. <laughs> yeah, the, that is pretty cool. Was their booth was just packed uh, the whole show as people wanted to find out more about uh, possibly, I guess, building one maybe or, uh, you know, just a more about what uh, what it takes to, to make one or just to get pictures with them. And uh, another interesting side note is that they're all going to gather down in Orlando, Florida in April for uh, it's called it's a Star Wars convention called Celebration. And uh, they're going to try to have the largest, from what I understand from what they're telling me, the largest gathering of R2-D2 units. They're uh, estimating right now 112. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I can't even picture in a, a convention center 112 R2s running around. Especially if they're all talking at once. plethora of D2s? <laughs> I... Yeah, I think so. I guess I shouldn't say walking around. I should say rolling around, yeah. right? Because they don't walk. Especially if they're all talking at once, too. That's got to be a, something to hear. 
Well, I was I was mentioning this to Terry earlier, and I said, you know, it's kind of like when you fly at an event when there's a lot of airplanes flying at once. Like I was involved in the Guinness World Record that was set at Ceph, and it was it, we we had 99 aircraft that flew at the same time. And I was thinking with the R2s, it's kind of the same thing. You don't look away from your R2 unit just like you don't look away from your airplane at all. Yeah. You know, because there's so many. I mean, it seems like it'd be easy to to have uh, 112 R2 units and look away for a second when they're all motoring around. It's like, where's mine, right? <laughs> yeah. Not to get too much off topic, but since we were talking real quick about robots and RC, so Fitz, you you made a, a, a robot dog, K9 from Doctor Who. Is that correct? Yes, it is. That was uh, something I started on sort of a whim, and it's turned out to be a, a really neat project that I keep tinkering with. And... I don't know that any of the your listeners or even the readers of the magazine know that I was involved in building a, a full-size Dalek from uh, Doctor Who, and it's also RC. So uh, a lot of times with a Dalek, given its size, it's about five feet, four inches tall. Most people get inside them, uh, but given the, my knowledge with RC and not really wanting to... I've been inside one before, but um, if you get inside a Dalek, you can't see very well, so you have to have a spotter. So I thought, well, if it's RC, I don't need a spotter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's unusual to see it RC because usually there's people inside of it. But I think that's it's a great RC project, and you can absolutely animate, animate a lot of parts of it and, and not worry about running over somebody because that you can't see. Thing I'd like to see some pictures of your uh, Dalek, Jay. Can you? Send oh sure. Us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can post them on our Facebook or something. Maybe sure. one. Maybe at some point we can get uh, your Dalek and K9 together and fight. <laughs> like the robot battles yeah super robot wars here you go yeah. <laughs> well um i was telling people at work uh there was uh one person at works trying to build uh what is it bb8 oh yeah from the newer movies so and then another person was interested in arts too so i said well if you, you get those built we can have like a robot day at work Oh, man, that sounds like a fun, a fun day. Bring your robot to work, right? <laughs> <laughs> I approve. I'm going to throw out the question, and if it's already been asked, just shut me up. What was the the big trend that you witnessed from vendors at the show in terms of new products? I would have guessed last year that multi-rotors were a big deal, but to me that seems to be quieting down a little bit. So is that the case, and what's taken its place? Well, you know, ready-made RC was at the show, and, and their booth was quite busy, and they had a, a drone flying cage, um, which had, uh, like, tiny whoop racing, and uh, that, that brought a lot of interest. But, you know, we also had a boat pond, uh, and a lot of people brought boats, and there was a lot of interest in that as well. And uh, so, you know, I don't know I don't know necessarily that I'd say there was one trend that, that stood out. Uh, you know, all the different uh, vendors... You brought their latest things, you know, like Sullivan was there and Robart and Horizon and, and several manufacturers like that. So they all brought their, you know, their latest product. But I, I don't really feel like there was a necessarily a trend this year at the show. It was just uh, a little bit of, you know, I mean, we had we had there was someone there that was actually selling RC dragsters, which were pretty neat. Um, and they come, you can get a rolling chassis and then you finish it yourself or basically ready to run. And I had not seen that before. And they actually use a real, what they call a Christmas tree, like in real drag racing and, you know, full scale drag racing. They actually do that. I mean, I not seen that before. And like I mentioned, I'd not seen, uh, at one of our shows, uh, like Expo West, I'd never seen anybody bring, um, R2, uh, robots. And, um, we do have a boat pond, 
um, at Expo West, but it's, I don't know, it felt like maybe there was even more um, boats at East. Uh, and then we also had make and take area where the kids could build airplanes, um, you know, gliders, and they could also build rockets. And I believe it was Estes that uh, donated the rockets. So there was a lot of make and take going on as well, which we also try to do out at West. I assume they don't launch the rockets at the show. Correct. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> What's the fun in that? Can they make a rocket cage? <laughs> <laughs> Just do static tests. <laughs> Strap to uh, down. There were some pretty neat rockets on display, too, that the local club that helped us with that, uh, they displayed. And one of them was a TARDIS, uh, TARDIS rocket. A TARDIS rocket? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But uh, and there were some there were some Star Wars related rockets and and some other stuff. But most of what they brought there were custom built uh, rockets, you know, for display, not so much what you buy at the hobby shop. Now, is it customary for either East or West to in, in, invite local clubs to the event to help uh, run it, or at least for exposition purposes? Sure, uh, we have you know special interest groups. Uh, we had several represented at the show, uh, at both shows, and we have clubs as well that come and uh, you know promote uh, their club events. Or you know, uh, if people come to the show and are interested in getting into flying, you know that they're not you know they're just getting started, uh, then they can promote uh, about coming to their club and learning how to fly. Uh, there's also I didn't mention this uh, yet, but we also have a a pretty nice uh, swap shop area where people can bring their stuff to sell. And beyond that, our foundation actually uh, was there selling um, about a dozen or so models too, because we've been getting donations uh, to our foundation where people are donating models and it could be, uh, you know, electric or gas or glow models. And we're selling them. There's like uh, at Expo West, we had a sale at Expo East. We have a sale um, at my charity event at AMA, uh, National Electric Fly-In in June, they're going to also sell some models as well. And all the proceeds from that benefit the AMA Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about this foundation? I'm not really that familiar with it. Well, um, basically, uh, it, we started the foundation uh, just a couple of years ago, I believe it was. And it uh, basically, it helps with uh, promoting aero modeling. It helps with schools. You know, we, we just celebrated that uh, we've given away now a million dollars in scholarships. The AMA and its history now has given over a million dollars. And that is part of the foundation that helps with that. Uh, there's a lot of things that the foundation does. We have a, a person, uh, her name's Mandy at AMA, who is uh, focused on the foundation. And um, you can be a donor, in fact. You know, if you want to help the foundation, you can donate. And then you get a uh, on your actual AMA membership card. It shows you're a foundation donor. Um, and there's you know there's more information about the foundation on our website. Or anybody that has questions about donating can talk to Mandy. But basically, um, you know, it's about promoting aero modeling and making sure that it's around for future generations is basically the focus of the foundation. And and you know and 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 fostering it, it with youth and scholarships and and everything that they can do. Oh, wow. sounds fantastic. Now, one of these upcoming issues is a how-to issue, and the last I heard, you were looking for input from readers on different how-to ideas. Is that opportunity still open, and if so, when's the deadline? Yes, yeah, so we have about three themed issues a year, and I came up with the idea uh, last year that we should let the readers pick a theme so uh, readers voted on it and in january the theme was decided as how to and that will be our july issue and we put 
out uh, through social media and on our website that we were opening it up to the readers too if they had some how-to ideas or tips that they could submit them and that's um we're accepting those those tips through april 10th and you can go right to our website and you can upload it you can even upload a video if you actually have a video showing doing something um, that you want to share, you can upload it right on our website. And then everyone who submits something is going to be entered into a drawing. And we're going to give out some gift certificates to Dubrow, who's helping sponsor this issue. And we're also giving out some free uh, memberships to AMA. That's cool. I look forward to seeing that issue. Yeah, I think it'll be exciting. And I, I like the idea that the readers decided what the uh, topic was. Lee, what have you got? Jay, I was curious if you'd like to uh, mention the Generations of Flight that y'all started, I, I guess it was this year. Yes, it started in January. Generations of Flight is the opportunity for people to share their story, not only people, but clubs as well. So obviously we want to capture that as much as possible. Uh, there's a lot of great stories about how people got involved in model aviation or maybe how model aviation led to, to full scale or, or led to them becoming an astronaut or an engineer. Uh, or just you know their own enjoyment. So um, you can go on our website as well and share your story. And we also are allowing clubs to go on and tell the club's story because we want to be sure to capture that. Uh, you know we don't want to lose that information. So that's that's a great question, and and that's open to anyone to go ahead and do that as well. Well, that's how so, I got started with this hobby. I when it, when that came up on my screen, I couldn't help but take a picture of my father and I flying, and I went ahead and and, and uploaded it or submitted it rather to that. Uh, to that site and that's really neat because i'm looking at all these other stories and there there are a lot of families that do that and that's i think why i like this hobby so much it's uh, you know families doing stuff together whether it's as terry said whether it's a uh, daughter father <laughs> you know, flying or it was like me and my father and i doing it so really doesn't matter well you know my father uh owned a hobby shop when i was a kid and i did uh, a little bit of you know, I did rockets and I did slot cars and I did uh, RC cars and RC boats and model airplanes, uh, you know, plastic kits, uh, a little bit of everything. And uh, so, I mean, that's how I got involved. And my father still flies and is an AMA member to this day. And so, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, it's it's a great um, hobby and it's great for families to, to enjoy together. And so, absolutely. All right, Jay Smith, Editor-in-Chief of Model Aviation. Thank you so much for joining us. We uh, hope you can join us again sometime in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, Jay, good luck, and uh, thanks for all the work you do with the Academy of Model Aeronautics. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions and listen to our other great podcasts.